Well, ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl 55 has concluded. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions uh, for the first time in like 15 years or something. I don't even know. Um, but they're Super Bowl champions in large part to Tom Brady and the people that came after him. I'm going to add a couple of notes to this game. I think there's this idea here that this game is won because of Tom Brady and lost because of Patrick Mahomes. At least it's something that I'm seeing. At least a lot of Chiefs haters are trying to say it. I'm going to add a couple footnotes, not footnotes, just a couple thoughts of mine about this game. And uh, my overall opinion on the BS debate going on about the GOAT debate right now. But let's just go ahead and let's be honest here. Okay, first, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played a good game. They played a good game. The defense came out with a game plan. They knew that that Chiefs O-line was going to struggle, which I'll talk about here in a minute. And they came out and won. Now, listen, at the end of the day, and I'm sorry, nobody in the history of time is going to be able to prove it to me otherwise. I believe the Kansas City Chiefs were the better team. Um, Not obviously today. I mean, overall, if they have their offensive line and Mahomes is 100%. It was obvious out there. Mahomes was kind of limping. He was getting shot up because... Eric Fisher was out, and we haven't had Mitchell Schwartz since God knows when. We had to flip around the whole offensive line when Mitchell Schwartz gets um, injured in garbage time against the Bills, which uh, I guess I'll go ahead and add this opinion. Now, I think after what happened to Eric Fisher and the obvious impact that it had on the game, that from now on in the playoffs, once you get to a point where the game is all but over, take out everybody who you cannot win without. Which in that situation without Mitchell Schwartz, if Eric Fisher gets injured, there's no way you win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that uh, that front four that they have. So yeah, Eric Fisher gets injured and the Chiefs never stood a chance. And you'll 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 go ahead and you should say, well, you you picked the Chiefs to win thirty eight to twenty seven, and I would say, yeah, I did. I knew that that was going to be an issue, but I didn't see it being that much of an issue. And that personally has to do with my view of football and my lack of appreciation for the importance of the offensive line. Um, but when you have to switch that whole offensive line, it's a lot to ask, and they just couldn't do it. And by the way, Lawrence DuVernay-Tardy has not been with the Chiefs the whole year for COVID. I personally believe the Chiefs are going to be back next year, probably not against the Bucks. We'll see if Tom Brady retires. But the idea here that the game was won because of Tom Brady, I think is the dumbest argument. And the the fact that Tom Brady won the MVP, just like the fact that Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year, is stupid to me. I think I think we need to actually give it to the player that did the best. Both years, it was running back. Last year, Daryl Williams. This year, Leonard Fournette. Those are the people that really won the game uh, when it came down to it, okay? But when, when we look at this legacy now, which I think is the silliest thing, and the fact that – and listen, it's it's a Stephen A. Smith topic, and you guys know what I mean by that, where Stephen A. Smith will talk about goat debate, goat debate, goat debate pretty much at least 300 days a year uh, because apparently that's what they think the fans want to hear when nobody gives a crap what Stephen A. Smith has to say. But the idea that this game is so hurtful for Patrick Mahomes' legacy and so good for Tom Brady's legacy, like, okay, in the grand scheme of things for Tom Brady, winning seven Super Bowls, yes, but this game in and of itself – is meaningless because anybody who understands football understands that the way that Patrick Mahomes was having to run around injured and with three guys coming at him almost every play. No, 
you, you well, you can say whatever you want for Tom Brady, but you definitely cannot take off something for Patrick Mahomes for this performance. He had to try to make something happen. Um, and honestly, I think if they would have had their offensive line, even with Eric Fisher, if things were back to what they had been the last couple weeks, they wouldn't have been able to drop back eight and double Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. But all they had to do was send four the whole game, and Mahomes was getting sacked like nobody's business. JPP came in. I mean, it was it, it, it was crazy. Um, but that's really much all the real. I mean, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. I do think now I'm getting kind of tired of hearing this, and I understand why people say this. And when I was a little bit younger, after 2018, the loss of the Patriots in the AFC Championship, I was definitely kind of like this too. It's getting a little bit annoying now, but yes, the refs were not great, and I I thought about mentioning this in my last episode, who where anybody who really is still a fan of the theory of the NFL being rigged, once Mahomes and Brady, it was announced that they were, it came to be that they were going to face off in the Super Bowl, that those people still had an argument. I think now, if you're still one of those people, you have a little bit more of an argument. Um, because I think, and I, I don't believe in this, but I think that if there's any scenario where the NFL makes the most money on a Super Bowl, it is with Mahomes and Brady, and that's exactly what happened. And of course, Brady wins. But I don't think it was rigged. I think the the setup of today and the way things were, there was really not much that the Chiefs could do. I personally did not understand in my head how much of a difference that that – oh, I knew it would make a big difference, but I didn't know it would be to the point where Mahomes would have to get the ball out in three seconds or less. And by the way, anybody who tries to say Mahomes had a terrible game, he hit guys on the helmet twice in the end zone tonight. One of them while he was – Parallel to the ground, okay? No, I don't want to hear that. Please. Please. Now, let's move away from football. I I, I promised myself, I, I have one more thing I need to add after this, but I promised myself I wouldn't get too attached to this game because it. I'm, football, listen, if you get upset, emotionally upset for a long time over football, I think you're setting yourself up to live a poor life. That's that's my opinion on that, okay? I'm not going to be super upset. Listen, it, for me, I've been a fan of the Chiefs since the Matt Castle days, and I was a fan all the way through the days of losing in the first round for, what, five or six straight years, losing to the Colts on Andrew Luck getting his own fumble, diving in the end zone, Marcus Mariota catching his own pass and going in the end zone, uh, the field goal contest with Pittsburgh, I was a fan through all of that, and it's it's awesome that we are to the day now where we get to see Patrick Mahomes be a chief for the next decade or more. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So no, I'm not hurt over this loss. I'm I'm disappointed, obviously, as a fan that they didn't win. But no, if you think that you expect all fans to be emotionally uh, attached to the game so much, like no, I think Chiefs, real Chiefs fans are overall happy with this year and they're they understand that they're lucky to have the football that they've had uh, the last two years compared to the seven years before that now moving on to another sport that i haven't talked about much but now that it's become relevant relevant is the word relevant um now that baseball is coming back the mad missourian sports show uh finally gets to bring in the baseball aspect if you guys didn't know, I won't proclaim myself to be the biggest Chiefs fan ever, okay? Because there's something for Cardinals baseball that I've had all my life that 
you know, Chiefs, Chiefs football, obviously I love the Chiefs a lot and I'm still a diehard fan, but I've been a diehard Cardinals fan from as long as I can remember. I've had a love for baseball and a love for the St. Louis Cardinals forever. So it's awesome that I get to start talking about the Cardinals now that baseball season has officially rolled around and the Cardinals, honestly, I thought John Moseliak was, was hibernating. That's personally what I thought. Um, for the longest time, finally, uh, almost the end of January. Hold on for a second. What January twenty sixth? No, later than that. This must have been January thirtieth, I think. Yeah, that they finally go and make a couple moves. Maybe the 29th when they signed Wayno, and I think that was the moment that John Mozeliak got up out of bed and you know decided to make something happen. Um, but before that, man, I was so pessimistic on this outlook. Um, now, I will say, not getting emotionally attached to football, which I said, but for the sake of my mental health, I had to stop thinking about the St. Louis Cardinals for a couple months after the way we lost the Padres and John Mozeliak doing nothing for the first couple months really scared me. But they go and re-sign Wayno. I think Wayno had a really, really, really strong 2020. Now, once again, for everybody, you can make the argument that, you know, COVID is a different year. But especially a guy like Wainwright, who really has shown signs of decreasing the past couple of years, except for 2020. 2020, I think, if you look at it, probably one of the most impressive years of his career, the way he went back. So he had a 3-1-5 ERA compared to um, ERAs. Sorry here for a second. Uh, yeah, ERA, you know, 419 the year before. And in 2017, he had a 511. So Adam Wainwright really showing some signs of youth um, in that arm. And I think he did absolutely unbelievable. So I think bringing him back for another year, I think he would have retired if it was a full year. But him and Yachty, who is supposed to sign back with the Cardinals in the next week, I think, I think they both have one more desire, one year, one more year they desire to play. But the big move that the St. Louis Cardinals made, and this one I'm going to praise Moseliak for because this was a highway robbery, and you guys already know what I'm talking about. Getting Nolan Arenado and some cash for uh, Austin Gomber and a couple other minor leaguers, really not much. I think that was a very good trade, and no matter what aspect you look at it, and you can even take into account whatever you have to say about the course field effect, that is an upgrade at third base in every aspect. Uh, hitting and especially defensively, but hitting too, even though people are going to say course effect, I really think that he's still going to be a really good hitter in 2021, better than Carpenter could have been. I think this gives us the opportunity to use Carpenter favorably. You know what I mean? Pinch hitter. Put him in against the righty. We're not going to have him in against lefties. We're not going to have him in with the bases empty anymore. Okay, no, no more of this shift crap. Now we're going to get to have Carpenter really come in and be in a position where he could really succeed. I think Carpenter could do pretty well as a pinch hitter in 2021. I think that favors well for the St. Louis Cardinals. And it was obvious that there were two things that the Cardinals needed to work on. They needed to work on that third base position, and they needed to work on the outfield, which is not done yet. I really wish the Cardinals would have gone and tried to uh, pick up Ozuna, bring him back. But there's only so much you can ask. So then a couple days later, Colton Wong signs with the Brewers. Now, I'm going to be that guy. I think it is a shame um, that Colton Wong did that. Um, shame on Colton Wong. <laughs> yeah, well, I listen, I as a Cardinals fan, I'll probably always love Colton Wong, have some love in my heart, but really, he was never special at the plate. Um, his All his value was in his glove, and now we're going to have Tommy Edmond playing second base, and he's pretty good defensively. So really, what are you losing there? Tommy Edmond, who has a lot more promise offensively than Colton Wong has ever had, 
And he's almost there with the glove. Not really quite where Cole Wong is. But now he doesn't have to be the utility guy. He can focus on second base. I think that's huge for the Cardinals. I think he's going to do well in that position. And by the way, a couple years down the road, you know, Nolan Gorman comes up. Maybe he plays second base and uh, Edmund moves on to the outfield. You never know with uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and what they'll do with their minor leaguers. But the outfield is the interesting part. And this is the question that I still want to be answered, hopefully within the next month. The Cardinals just traded Dexter Fowler. I don't think I have found out. I haven't found out yet what we ended up getting, whether it was cash or a player. We traded Dexter Fowler to the Angels, and we also sent over, uh, what, $14 million to pay off some of his salary. Now, Dexter Fowler, I favor a little more. Even though he hasn't been with the Cardinals as long, I favor him a little bit more. I thought he was uh, a really good um What's the word? A really good clubhouse figure. I don't think he was very good with the Cardinals at all. Um, but I, I, I did I did like Dexter Fowler, and he'll be missed. And he did have some clutch moments. And I'll always love him and Colton Wong. But he is gone to the Angels now, and I don't know what we got back yet. But we obviously, Moseliak is trying to do something. He's now saving up $1.7 in cap space now is what he got rid of there. Um, so we'll have to see what he does there. I think that could have to do with the outfield. Now, finally, the questions answered that I have been waiting to an- be answered, unless Moseliak brings in another outfielder to change the situation. Right now, it's looking like center field, De- uh, Dexter Fowler, center field, Harrison Bader, uh, right field, Dylan Carlson, and left field, Tyler O'Neill. Now, Harrison Bader haters, right now, please hush. Harrison Bader, actually, <laughs> on the St. Louis Cardinals, was above average in the grand scheme of things for the St. Louis Cardinals compared to the other players around him last year. So you can stop with that. He had a streak for about a month where he had an OPS right at 990. Um, so Harrison Bayer is starting to come around. And this once again, this is going to be his fifth year now. He's still very young. He has a lot of work to do. He's the best defensive center fielder in baseball, okay? So let's just stop with the whole blah, whatever. No, don't hate on Harrison Bayer just because of his uh, – his thing at the plate because if you're going to do that then why do we have Colton Wong fans um he's pretty much Colton Wong went in center field and he's a better fielder than Colton Wong I mean he's faster than Colton Wong so there's that uh I really think Harrison Bader obviously is always going to have promise to get better and I think 2021 you know hopefully he can put himself either one of two directions one the Billy Hamilton situation or direction where you turn yourself up into a slap hitter slash bunter, or you can turn yourself into like a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of a guy here. Just, you know, a leadoff Starling Marte type guy, you know? You can get some singles in there, you know? We need him to be that. We need him to be leadoff. He needs to be the leadoff guy that gets on base and scores runs. That's where he's going to find the most value. Now, Tyler O'Neill. this is the guy that for years, if you've talked to me ever about Cardinals baseball in the outfield, for now, what, three years now? I've been just waiting for him to get his chance. And a lot in, in a lot of ways he did get a, a lot of chances last year. He didn't do great last year. Uh 621 OPS, but that was in how many plate appearances? Uh in 157 plate appearances. Okay. The most he's ever gotten ever is 157, what he got last year. And I think he's very good defensively. Did he win a gold glove? He did win the gold glove last year in left field. Uh he's great defensively. He's very fast, and he's he looks like the freaking Hulk, okay? It's time that Tyler O'Neill gets his shot in left field. 
I have been a huge fan of Tyler O'Neill. I watched him some in the minors. And I've been waiting for him to get that opportunity to absolutely smash it up there in the big leagues instead of switching him out with freaking Dexter Fowler, which now we're not going to have to worry about. I think it's time that at least this is what I'm going to say, that we give him at least two months to get out there and do his thing. And if he can't pick it up, then we'll switch him out with someone else. But why why are we gonna, why not trade him if we're going to keep him around for so long? That's what I think Mosey Eliak is trying to do here. I think he's going to pick up another vet and have Tyler O'Neill try to prove himself. If not, then we switch him out with that vet, whoever he picks up. That's what I think is going to happen. Now, the guy that every Cardinals fan has been excited about for a very long time, and he finally got brought up to get his chance, only batted 200 with an OPS of 616, but he didn't, he didn't play much. He got 100 at-bats, 110. Dylan Carlson. I cannot emphasize how excited I am to see him play regularly in 2021 in a full season. This is going to be great. He's going to be top five in the rookie of the year discussion. If you're a Cardinal fan, you should be thrilled. There's an opportunity. There are two scenarios for this outfield. Uh, one, same old, same old, really mediocre outfield. Two, we're, we're middle of the pack. Or three, this outfield finally reaches its full potential, and it's a top five outfield in the MLB. There's three scenarios. Three scenarios here. I think after this year, if you give Tyler O'Neill his chance and he doesn't do it, get rid of him, get someone else in there. But it's time we give these three young guys a chance to make – because, really, listen, three young guys, this could be our outfield for 10 years. If we give these guys a shot and we give them – and they end up you know, paying off, that could be it. Uh, guys, I've been rambling for 17 minutes and 45 seconds. Thank you guys for listening for so long. I appreciate you guys. Uh, once again, great year for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was fun to watch, and I cannot wait to watch Nolan Arenado in a Cardinals jersey. You guys cannot understand. Till next time, guys. We will see you later.